Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This week on Barca Talk, Umtiti is looking to triple his salary. One listener responds to Griezmann rumors. The Femini are out of the Champions League, but staying competitive in the Liga Femenina. The first team is gearing up for another round of Champions League against Roma, and Messi pulled the team out of the fire on Saturday to continue the unbeaten streak in La Liga. So, let's talk. Hey everybody, welcome to Barca Talk. Brian Henderson here, coming to you on this beautiful Easter Sunday from Buffalo, New York. And joining me from Madrid, Spain, is Gabriel Quiroga. Brian, Brian, my Barca brother from another mother. I'm a little banged up here, Brian, but I'm I'm going to power through. What's going on? The, What's happening? I had one of those long Madrid nights last night. So I had some, my friend had some friends visiting, so we were out late last night. Uh, I think we also ate pizza for a small village last night as well at the late night hours so that happened and so wait, yeah. you, it was late you were partying and then Correct. you wandered into a small village and stole everyone's pizza basically okay <laughs> and then you ate it all so in, in malasania in this in this neighborhood of madrid uh there's a lot of pizza stands and we went to one that's in front of the bar that we were at last night and we basically went four rounds of pizza, essentially. So Whoa. my friend Jamie and I, yeah, exactly. You were hammered. Uh, lightly. <laughs> <laughs> like one of those my first toolkits from Ikea hammered. Correct. Not exactly. like a real carpenter's hammer. Not a real camera. <laughs> so. Okay. So, but yeah, but we have, you know, like, like we said, we have a lot to talk about. Uh, did anything happen last night, you know, in the Barca match? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> why not why not yeah. why don't you know <laughs> well i was just you know just talking about how Messi saved our ass last night again so. oh right right yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well nothing yeah nothing happened until then uh yeah. but let's let's get into some news before we jump into the sevilla match uh that'll be at the end of the show obviously there's really only two things that we want to talk about as far as news and notes go this week and the first one is about umtiti and it looks as though he's looking to triple his salary or he's considering a move to Manchester United either way, right? Is this a negotiation tactic or is he actually thinking about moving over to Manchester United? I think it's a negotiation tactic purely. I mean, I think, you know, this is what you do in pro sports. You get someone to think about paying those wages and then that's how you negotiate your wage to get the triple that you're looking for, right? So uh, obviously I think Umtiti is very happy in Barcelona. I think he, you know, for me, he's the most important player that we need to sign. So this needs to get done because the release clause is so low at 60 million that Manchester United can easily do that. 
And but you know, I don't think he's going to move. I just think this is a negotiation tactic. And he does deserve. I mean, this is. I think for me, this is going to be the most important signing in the last three years because finding defenders of this quality are so hard to do. You know, it's very hard to do finding attacking players much easier, much easier. Sure, yeah, and we've seen just. I mean, I guess apparently part of it was that no one expected Umtiti to deliver and develop the way he has here at Barcelona. When he came from Lyon, he was a good prospect, and they signed the deal that they signed. It was a five-year deal. The release clause was $60 million, and at the time, it seemed good. But since coming, he has just really stepped up and become a, a, a really vital part of the central defense, and uh, he's made himself more valuable. And, you know, that's just the way it is. Exactly. And and I have a question for you. So if I told you that Umtiti was from La Masia – you would probably say, yeah, because the way he plays, right, the way he understands the tactics, he, he's been so seamless as a free agent to come to Barcelona, and especially being in a key role as a defender, partnering up with PK. They seem like they've been partners for forever. They just have that kind of intuition. They know how to move with each other. And for me, you know, especially for his age, they need to sign this, and they need, they need to make this happen before the summer. Yeah, I totally agree. And I like that point that you made. It's it's absolutely true. He looks ju- – if you were to tell me he came from La Masia, I would absolutely believe you. I wouldn't question that for a moment because, yeah, I mean, maybe in the first season when he was just starting to get his legs, uh, I wouldn't have. But now at this point, he's just – he's adapted so quickly and become such a Barcelona-style defender – or whatever, you know, he looks like a, like he came from La Masia. You're absolutely right. And it's really, um, it's something that you can barely even put a price on. But, you know, they, they always manage to. Yeah, and, and the most important for me is to escalate that release clause to over, you know, 150, 200 and that type of range. So if anyone is interested, they're going to have to really pay for it. Because for me, for his age, his talent, his potential, I think he's, I mean, obviously, this season, the season that he's having right now, super important to our defense and just super important going forward for our team. Yeah. And as far as raising the release clause, I think that's more a matter of for the club to try and fend off other offers from other clubs, or at least if they are willing to pay that to um, make sure that you can bank some some money to try and, you know, fill that void that he would he, he would leave if he were to go to some other club. Uh, so that's more something for the club to think about. But the main thing for Umtiti, I think, is the weekly salary thing. I read in this article that you sent me that he's he's making he's making less money than guys who don't even play every week. Exactly, and that's the thing, right? So um, this is kind of unprecedented too, because in that article, so they talked about you know he's just in the second year of a five year contract. This is very uh, un Barca like to renegotiate in the second year that early, but obviously we're seeing how important he is. He's super talented. And like I said, they just need to escalate that price so that we're covered and also make him TT, um, you know, in that salary range as a starting player as well. Yeah, absolutely. Now, the only other thing that we do want to talk about, this is some news about our show, which is that we are back on Spotify. This has been a three month. um, I mean, I won't call it an ordeal. It's just been one of those things that's been nagging at us for the last three months because just a little bit of behind-the-scenes information. We switched the company we were using to deliver this podcast to you, and when we did that, 
we got dropped off of Spotify. And it wasn't anything malicious. I think it was just some kind of technical hiccup or something. And so ever since then, we've been trying to get back on Spotify. We're And we just found out yesterday that we are, in fact, available on Spotify. In fact, right now, there are two versions of Spotify or of Barca Talk that show up on a Spotify search. One of them is not updated. It has an old episode as the newest, like episode 59 is the most recent one. Not that one, but there is a new, a different one that has fully updated episodes. So we're very excited. Yeah, I mean, cue the Alleluia music, right? right? The Alleluia, yeah. Perfect day for been, it. Yeah, we exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we rose from the dead, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, so we're finally on Spotify and, and we're really happy about it because, you know, we've had some listeners asking about it and I use Spotify all the time. So I just I prefer to listen to my podcast on Spotify because I just have it all in one, my music and my my podcast. So for me, I'm really excited. So I get to listen to the show back on Spotify. So I am excited as well. Yeah, absolutely. So good, 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 good. Now, in our community segment this week, we have a couple of things to talk about. And the first one is actually going to lead us into a discussion. We got a call this week from our listener, Carlos. So here it is real quick. Hey, guys. uh, This is Carlos from Houston, Texas. I'm a big fan of the show. I'm sure y'all probably remember me. I'm always commenting or asking questions. But uh, my question today is, am I the only one that's not excited about these Griezmann rumors? I don't see nothing special about Griezmann. I think he's a little overrated. He's choked in big games. For example, that Euro final back in France against Portugal. And I feel like it may slow down Dembele and his uh, productivity for uh, Barcelona. Because I think he's a player that can um, maybe not be messy, obviously, but he can maybe scratch that sort of ceiling. I don't know what you guys think, but I would love to get y'all's opinion. And again, um, big fan of the show. By the way, I appreciate you guys shouting out my daughter when she was born. She's almost two months now. She has a little jersey already. Just got to wait for her to fit in it. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Carlos, for the voicemail. And Carlos, I agree with you. I think, I mean, I I don't understand the rumors. I mean, I think obviously he's a great player, but I just, I don't know. I, I think we could focus our money in other positions, you know, maybe in defense or in midfield. Um, on Monday, when I was doing the Patreon video, in one of the newspapers, they had possibility lineups with Griezmann. And in two of those lineups, Dembele was off into the bench area. So Carlos brings a really great point that it could hinder his you know, development, um, probably have less playing time for Dembele. And obviously, we paid so much money for him. So, you know, I'm kind of on the fence. Obviously, if they sign him, it creates depth, right? And that's awesome. We get all this depth in attacking. But at the same time, for the wage and the money, especially with this UTT contract, we do have a cap on the money that we have. So, you know, what, what do you think about the Griezmann rumors coming to Barca? Well, I do agree with Carlos that it is totally over. He is totally overrated. I mean, not totally. Yes, he is a good player, but I think he is a little bit overrated. And yeah, he has choked in these uh, certain situations. Also, I'm not sure that he's, you know, finding a good striker for Barcelona is a tough thing, right? Like Luis Suarez is is great. David Villa was great. And like Paco Alcácer, he he does a good job. And if he got more playing time, he would probably uh, deliver a little bit more. But, you know, then again, just finding the a, a good striker to work with that kind of team is a tough thing. And I'm not sure that Griezmann is really the guy, even if he is really good. And 
going back to the Dembele point, yeah, if Griezmann's playing, he's going to get in the way of Dembele's development. And I also agree with Carlos that Dembele is someone with just a a big future ahead of him. Griezmann, we already kind of know what he can do. Dembele is is more like um, he's like a speculative asset in a way, but he's one with a really good looking future. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, you know, I don't think he's completely overrated. I mean, I definitely think he's, you know, top five uh, player in La Liga, right? I mean, he's pro- proven at Sociedad and Atletico many times only being the lone striker up there, you know? So, and he's been able to have really good goal output. But for me, it's it's the formation, right? Like, for example, um, Valverde always is changing the formation from a 4-4-2 or a 4-3-3, depending on the game and the situation. And in a 4-4-2, you most likely would have, you know, Suarez and... Uh, Griezmann if you had Griezmann and that just leaves it in Bele off right because then you would have Iniesta Coutinho Messi you know Busquets and then all of a sudden Rakitic is off you know so it's like where do you you know yeah it's great to have this this depth of attacking but at that wage I don't know I just feel like we can you know especially with Arnais or any of the Barca B players we can bring those up it's going to be cheaper and they're younger right because also Griezmann is what 27 years old so yeah exactly he's you know um, you know, and I also agree with Carlos. Yeah, definitely in the Euro final. He he, that was a moment where he could have really proven, you know, brought the goods, right? Like win the cup on his home soil and so forth. And he was a no show. For me, it really just comes to the dollars and cents of this aspect. I mean, if if they can get a good weight, you know, good transfer fee under a hundred, then I'd say go for it. But if it's over one fifty, man, that's that's a lot. That's a lot of euros, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah. Also, though, like I, I feel like the general policy is not. I don't think it's going to happen because I don't think that the club's policy, as far as bringing in players, is really one that would bring Griezmann in. Because again, he's already pretty established. He already is a known quantity, and yes, he's very good, but he's not. He's not a rising star at this point. He's probably got another couple good years in him but so if anything he's he's at his plateau and generally I think when we bring in strikers we're looking for for people who have a bright future who have more more you know upward trajectory to what we can expect from them and then as they start to plateau and then start dipping over the crest then we'll unload them or push them off the ledge right right depending (laughs) yeah depending on how bad they get (laughs) yeah yeah no but also you know they could also be looking to sign Griezmann as a future replacement for Suarez because Suarez obviously on the you know he's getting to his you know 32 you know you know what I'm saying so he could drop off as well so I could see that if they're looking for the next four four years or something like this that he could replace Suarez as the point man now I could see that that would be you know an investment yeah but man I just it's just so much money for these you know Coutinho Dembele um, you know, obviously we signed Griezmann. It's just like these three players, you know, that are more than 500 million euros, you know, in transfer fees, basically. It's just crazy. Yeah. So, but also just give Paco more time. We already have Paco. He's there. He can do I know, almost the same thing that Griezmann can do. I know. Do. I know. But the, you, you've seen Val Green just doesn't have confidence in him. And it's the eyebrows. Most like, 
Yeah, maybe the eyebrows, but also more than likely Paco's going to another team in the summer just because of what he makes weekly. And he's he's been able to show that he can still perform. So another team's going to pay for him. Maybe he goes back to Valencia or he goes to another team in La Liga. We'll see. Yeah, well, let's call it there. I think we could probably talk about it for another 20 minutes. But in the interest of time, let's cut it right there. Thanks, Carlos, for the voicemail. And I got to say... I really appreciate the fact that you called our voicemail line and left us a message. I have been I had been pushing that for a long time. We weren't getting anything and then I just kind of gave up on it. But it's still out there and the number is 716-795-2853. It is a Buffalo phone number. So feel free to give us a call, leave us a voicemail and um if we like it, we'll we'll put it on the show. Uh please do that. Now, the other thing that we want to get into is this FCB camp fundraiser that we're starting to work on in Houston. Now, we started talking about this on the last episode, and now we're actually ready to launch this fundraising campaign to send a local youth player to the FCB camp in Houston this summer. And we have Victor Valencheck and the rest of the folks at the Houston Kool-Aids helping us to recruit players to potentially send to this camp. And as of Monday, the fundraising site will be up on GoFundMe and we'll be sharing that on our social media channels and our website and everything. But here are some details about this this project that we're working on. So the camp itself is a one-week day camp for players age 6 to 14, boys and girls. They're going to train with official coaches from FC Barcelona, and the camp tuition costs $500. So that is our initial fundraising goal. If we raise $1,000, we'll send two kids and so on. But that first $500, that's our first goal. And I just got word from Victor that he and his board have been reaching out to the local soccer community in Houston, and they're collecting initial responses, nominating youths who could benefit from this. So we're going to have plenty of kids that we could help out with this, and we will have more information on that as it becomes available. And finally, I want to point this out. Gabriel and I will not see a dime of any money you donate to this cause. We're not skimming anything off the top here. Whatever you donate goes to helping a kid have a great experience learning the beautiful game from the best club in the world. Now, if you do want to support us here at the podcast, go to barsatalk.net slash support and become a supporter for $3 a month. That gives us general operating support for making the show as it is. And with enough support, we can start doing more cool things and making improvements to the show. Now, along with that $3 a month, you'll have exclusive access to bonus material. And once we reach 100 supporters for the show, we'll have drawings, I think every month potentially, to give away FCB gear, jerseys and such to one of those supporters. Now, this week, we'll be posting a video for our supporters where we'll recap La Liga, the Barca B game against Sevilla Atletico. And I do want to talk about the Benjamin A squad who just won the Iscada Cup, the Spanish Cup for under 10s on that video as well. And uh, we'll also be posting our, all of our interviews as standalone audio so you can hear those interviews without having to go back through old episodes. And more bonus material will be showing up in the coming weeks. So... Go to barstatalk.net slash support and become a supporter. Thanks. Now, on with the show. FCB Femini. What can we say? Uh, they had kind of a mixed week. They they lost to Lyon 1-0 in the match and 3-1 on aggregate in the quarterfinal of the Women's Champions League. So they're out of the Women's Champions League now. But as we saw in this matchup, you know, Lyon are a really strong team. They've been here before. And they, they're probably a few years ahead of us in terms of their competitive level. 
I mean, Brian, I watched this match in full, and this match was brutal, man. Um, first of all, I didn't like the tactics or the formation we used. I mean, the thing is, as we've seen in the previous match, that, like you said, Lyon is a really great team. They're the current European champions. Obviously, they've been established longer. You could just tell. Physicality, awesome, off the charts compared to Barca uh, Femini. But the thing is, in this type of match, we knew we had to score goals. We couldn't just go with a 0-0, right? So when they kind of had this formation of a 4-4-2 trying to keep a really solid defensive shape, I think that was the wrong way to go. You know, you have to have a miracle, right, in this in this situation, essentially. Now, to have this miracle, we need to be, I think, more in a 4-3-3 or even go more attacking and just make it wide open because you never know what's going to happen if it goes more wide open because maybe you pressure Leon into some mistakes or this. But basically, you conceded. They conceded Leon to have the ball the whole match and Leon to have all the attacking chances. And whenever, for example, when Tony Dugan had the ball, she had no support. You know, because they were so far away. Yeah, and she definitely had her moments. She had really good flair, and she had some good dribbles. But, she, yeah, again, she didn't have support. And it's it's one of these matches when you are physically um, being dominated by another team. You have very, you know, you don't have that many choices on what to do, right? You have one point striker. And if that striker continually is losing so much energy to chase the balls and nothing happens, it's really defeating, you know, as a team, because you're defending like hell, but you have no relief whatsoever, you know? And so that's why I think that, you know, when I saw the lineup and when I was watching online, they were, the commentators were noting, like, this is the first time we've seen him in a 4 4 2. And I was like, oh, God, this is not going to, this is not the time to do that, you know? It's yeah, like, seriously, you don't want to switch things up at this point. And also for me, these are just like critiques, obviously, just. M- you know, just me watching the match and also with Martins's performance, you know, she's the FIFA player of the year. Right. And so many times when she had the ball, she either lost the ball or she didn't want to take the player on one V one. And in this type of match, we needed something special from Martins or Dugan. That's why we signed them, you know? Right. <laughs> and you know, that's the thing. And a lot of times when Martins got the ball, she would just pass it off and run. And I get that in a normal match, but in a match against Leon, where you need just that special moment of brilliance, just out of nowhere, Martins didn't take that chance. He played really conservative for me. Now, Leon is probably one of the best women's team I've ever seen in my life. Like, they play – the chemistry they have on defense is remarkable. Like, I have here, Wendy Renard is one of the best female players I've ever seen. Like, she is the most complete player I've ever seen. The way she – manages the defense the way she is so graceful on the ball and the way she wins everything in the air it's it's incredible she's the best player i've ever seen and she is super young still i think she's 27 years old and she started playing for leon when she was 18 oh like crazy yeah she's a one club woman one club one woman and she's she's incredible you guys should check her out in the highlights against the feminine because she just anytime the ball was in the air she just cleared Wow. With like no problem, you know, she did a step over to shake Dugan off and then passed it back to the other defender. I mean, it was just incredible, her skill and talent. But again, I just think in this match, you're already kind of conceding to lose. So why not just go for it? Just have three forwards and just try to just bring it to them. Because anytime they were trying to attack the wings, they had nothing. It was like it was Leon's three defenders against Dugan. Yeah, well, again, and they were going into this. 2-1 down I mean sure they had an away goal so they could have gotten away with a shutout plus a goal but they were at home they and they should have gotten they've been more aggressive and been try to get more on the front foot with it exactly and this is you know this is a moment where yeah Lyon is really really good Um, they have a lot of experience in the Champions League but you know for the coach I would just say you know 
you're, you kind of already know you're going to lose. You need a miracle. And for that to happen, what if we scored first in a 4-3-3? Then all of a sudden, Leon get a little, you know, you never know what happens. Maybe they, they fall under the pressure. I don't know. But I think the Femini only had one clear attacking chance in the whole match. And that's just not going to cut it against Leon. Yeah, so it's a bummer. But uh, again, they, they made it a little bit further in the Women's Champions League than they did last year, I believe. They went up against a really tough side in Lyon, and frankly, I hope that Lyon wins the Champions League because I I don't know if we've talked about this on the show before, but my attitude is I don't want the team who beat us to lose in the next round. I want them to win the whole thing because then that's proof that we did pretty well, at least against the very best team. Yeah, you have a good point, and I, I from what I saw, they have no they have no match because they're just they are the most complete women's team I've ever seen in my life you know getting back to all the world cups the american teams i've seen this is i'm super impressed by leon's ability with their attacking their midfield and that's the other thing in this match our midfield was basically non-existent when they needed to make really smart decisions and passing they didn't do it and that cost you know turnovers where leon just kept having possession you know i've played in many matches like this where the other team is just far superior. And it's so defeating when, you know, three or two players aren't having a good game and they keep losing the ball. Then all of a sudden just kind of goes to the whole team. You just kind of, you know, it's just a really bad a slippery slope going the other way. It's a negative slippery slope because then you're just, you know, the game's, you know, over. And then also the way Leon scored, I don't know if you saw the goal. It was, you know, it hit the post. And of course there's no video replay or VAR or anything like that in this Champions League. Um, and so at first it looked like it wasn't in, they didn't have a good camera angle and they just called it a goal. And so, yeah, it was, it was really bad. So, you know, I just always knew Leon was going to win just because the way they were controlled the match, they didn't really put, they weren't really tested and they just, they basically skated through this match. I mean, because they already knew they had the two goals in advantage. And then when they scored that goal, they were just, they knew they were advancing. Yeah. So bummer, but you know, there's always next year because, uh, we're going to be in in the women's champions league next year, almost certainly because the top two teams in our league are us and Atletico Madrid, whether we come in second or come in first, we're going to be in the champions league again next year. And hopefully we'll get some more reinforcements in the squad. Uh, Martins and Dugan will continue to improve and, you know, get locked in more and all that sort of stuff. So we're just, all I can do at this point is hope for a better, better result next year. But on the good side of things, in the league, the women did beat Tenerife 3-1 to on Sunday. Last I checked, before we recorded, the highlights had not been released yet, so uh, I don't think we can say too much about it at this point unless you've seen them. But I do know that Patri Guijaro scored two, and another one was scored as an own goal by the Tenerife goalkeeper, Pili. So that win put FCB Femini at 61 points, and at least briefly ahead of Atletico Madrid, by two prior to the um, Atletico match against Betis. So we'll see how that works out. Now on to the first team. There's a couple of things uh, we want to preview before we get into talking about that Sevilla match. That'll be kind of the, uh, you know, the main event of the episode. But first up, we're back in the Champions League against Roma. This is the first leg of the quarterfinal on Wednesday in the Camp Nou. Yeah, so just a little bit about Roma. Obviously, we got a nice draw um Roma are sitting third in Serie A right now 18 points behind Juve so obviously a big disparity there in Serie A um and also Roma play typically they play a 4-3-3 um I guess my player to highlight would be Edin Dzeko former Man City player um this weekend he came off the bench to save a point for them so 
he's probably their most dangerous player for me. But other than that, um, I think we should be able to have the majority of the possession, especially if Messi's playing or playing at home. And if we're playing a 4-3-3, then I think we should be able to spread them out as well, especially with Dembele on the wing um, with his speed. So for me, I think, I think we should be able to advance. I wouldn't say pretty easily. I mean, you know, this is going to be a tough matchup because in this champions drop, you know, this last eight teams, essentially, you know, it's always difficult, but uh, I, I like our chances and, you know, hopefully we will have a good result on Wednesday. Yeah. Well, then again, I mean, Ed Jekko, he's not, he's no slouch, right? He's, he is a good player, um, but he's probably not the, the, the most threatening player, at least for us in Serie A, Sure. Maybe he can come off the bench and pull out a point, even against Juve, which is a good club, but yeah, if he's, if he's the one to watch, if he's the most threatening player, then I, I think we'll be okay. But uh, here's my question for you. If we go four three three, who's in the front? Yeah, obviously it's going to be Messi, Dembele, and Suarez, most likely. Uh, okay. I just, I, just, I just don't want to see us be so conservative against Roma. We should, with our formation, our talent, and playing at home, we should be able to score a couple goals, you know, and let's get that separation early, you know. Um, be aggressive in this match. You know, lately, you know, Val Green's definitely been more conservative with his lineups, you know, especially against Sevilla last night, having Paulinho uh, and, in, you know, kind of in that 4-4-2 hybrid, the 4-3-3. But, I mean, I want us to go after it. You know, we should be able to go after it against Roma. You know, Roma should be scared to play us first leg in the Camp Nou with us playing the way we're playing, you know? Yeah, especially and- since it's in the Camp Nou, I think. You know, we should really bring it to them and try and basically try and finish out the tie with with this one game. Exactly. I mean, I want to see, you know, ideally I would love to see a 3 nothing or 4 nothing. you know, not give up an away goal. That's obviously the most important. And, you know, really just bring it to them. Let's take some risks. Let's, let's, you know, try to get after it. And, you know, with the lineup and whoever is starting, we'll definitely see what Val Green's thinking. Yeah. So we'll know an hour before the match starts, what, what he's thinking now in La Liga, the next match is going to be on Saturday, April 7th against Leganes. It's the Partidazo at the Camp Nou and Leganes are presently in 12th place. They've had some good results this year. Probably the biggest highlight for them was knocking Real Madrid out of the Copa del Rey. And uh, they have not been on a great run of form lately, though. Uh, They've only managed one win in the last five games, and that was against last place Malaga. Uh, They lost 3-0 in the first leg against Barcelona, and that was at home for them. So this time they're coming to the Camp Nou. And I I think this this should be, it should be another win. But I feel like, I almost feel like we're getting to that point in in the undefeated streak and that point in the season where shoulds are not are definitely no guarantee you can start to see some some fatigue out there some tired legs and uh i don't know so i'm i actually am a little bit worried because despite their form lately leganes can give you some real problems yeah i totally agree especially for example last night in sevilla right you can see how the unbeaten streak kind of just mounts you know and against leganes we should win but also there could be a mental gap right you just come off champions league and then you're playing at home against Leganes on paper you know if we're playing fifa that should be a 10 nothing win you know but uh again um i'm really sad that it's a partidazo because that means i have to hear uh michael robinson commentate on the match which is the worst experience you could ever have right he's the he's the irishman is that right who yeah. doesn't speak spanish very well yeah he and he's all spanish by himself well. no he's not by himself he's part of a three-man booth right he's the color one of the color guys but he adds nothing to the match, right? Except his <laughs> shitty Spanish. So it's just like, why are you there? Why are you there? I mean, he has a great uh, 
sports show separated out. Like it's like a documentary type of show that they highlight different things, which is a great show. But I just understand why they have him in these matches. I mean, he doesn't bring anything. They could just get another Spanish person who is, can speak Spanish. You know, every time I see these Partidazo games, it just, uh, it just drives me crazy. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. I'll yeah. probably have the benefit of hearing Phil Shane and Ray Hudson call this match. Yeah, I may just listen to the Barca radio guys in Spanish. So There you go. Well, let's get into this Sevilla match that happened on Saturday. Uh, ultimately, it was a 2-2 draw, so our undefeated streak is still intact. We're at 37 now. One more, and we'll tie the all-time La Liga record with Real Sociedad at 38. One more after that, and we'll set a new record, which is very, very exciting. But it was, I mean, this was a real bummer of a match for the most part until the last, really, what, 10 minutes maybe, right? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I was watching the sports show today, so obviously they were going crazy about Messi's uh, heroics last night you know ha- here i have the title that they put they put dios se aparece en sevilla which means god appears in sevilla right <laughs> and obviously obviously the way they write dios god right is d and then the number 10 and then S, oh yeah. Right? So, yeah so it's really clever that way but you know i was i was at a bar with some friends we were watching the match and you know when they were down to nothing um i actually kind of wanted us to lose because i think it was a good wake-up call for us you know especially coming off international break, having this long on beating streak. Sometimes it's better just to have a loss like that and just be refocused for Champions League. And we could have um, afforded it. Exactly. And that's the other thing, right? We could have afforded it, especially with, the, you know, I have here the lineup. I was not a fan of the lineup at all. If we don't have Messi, we don't have that playmaker. I mean, obviously Coutinho and Iniesta, but I'm just saying who's actually going to really go after it as well. I don't know. Like with Paulinho there, I just... You know, like I said, we said all season, I just think he's a better sub player for us to come in to close the match. And I would have liked to see, you know, like Denny Suarez come in and start, you know, just to give him a chance, a little bit more, I don't know, some more dynamic uh, passing, you know, because Paulinho doesn't give us that passing. Right. Actually, I have a couple of things to say about Denny Suarez, uh, but in a minute, let's just, I just want to list off the the lineup just for anyone who can't remember it off the top of their heads. We had, of course, Ter Stegen in goal, and then the back four was the solid back four, although they did not have their best game as a group, but we had Sergio Umtiti, PK and Jordi, and then the maybe somewhat questionable midfield in the absence of Messi with Rakitic, Pauli, Iniesta, Coutinho, and then Suarez and Dembele. And of course, Busquets was still not available, still injured, and uh, he's expected back in action this week, probably not in the Roman match, but maybe in the Leganes match. You know, for me, it's it's the formation, right? It's Sevilla's not, I mean, they're good, but they're not that great, right? And I, we could have really been more aggressive with our lineup, right? I think we could have gone with a 4-3-3 straight up, right? But we didn't. Um, and in some, I saw some stat stuff that had them in a 4-3-3, but then on the TV last night that I was watching, they were showing them as a 4-4-2. So again, it all depends on your opinion or your perspective of it. But pff, most of these players just came from international breaks. They played two matches during that break. Whereas the Sevilla players, I think they only had one or two guys that were on international break. And it kind of showed in the beginning, right? We looked really lethargic. We looked not into the match, especially being at the the Ramon Peace one, right? It's such a hard place to play. It just looked like we were still on vacation. And, you know, from the first 10 minutes, I didn't like our, you know, I'm a body language expert. I didn't like our body (laughs) language out there. We just, we just were, we were lacking, you know, and our defense too, um, still on vacation. You know, they were still on vacation in the first 45 minutes, essentially. Yeah. And the the other main thing is that I think probably of the mid and forward lines, 
the only player on that on that starting lineup who I would say is someone who's really willing to take some serious risks and can can deliver is Iniesta. But the downside of that is that he's just he's not as fiery and dynamic as he used to be because he's a little bit older he still has the brilliance he still has the skill and he's done Iniesta I'm not trying to talk shit but I'm just saying he's not that firecracker anymore yeah and also he played during the international break and I thought for sure he was going to rest him or Val Green was going to rest him in this match but he didn't but for me last night um, you know I thought the freshest player we had out there that looked really after it was Coutinho I think he was really trying to prove a point, um, especially taking advantage of these games that he's going to start in La Liga. And I think last night, especially, he was like the only player trying to do movements and passing. But again, it was just, you know, I mean, you look at our lineup, you know, uh, Umtiti, PK, Jordi Alba, they all played during the international break. Rakitic played, Paulinho played, Iniesta played, Coutinho played, you know, they all played during the, so they didn't have any time off essentially. And like we said, you could just tell from the beginning of the match that, you know, they just look lethargic and Sevilla, you know, how, Sevilla, Valencia, uh, Athletic Bilbao, these teams, when we play at their home, they always press us high. And they were after it in the first 15 minutes. And they were able to, you know, win the balls back. And again, if we weren't concentrating, they'll be able to have a lot of chances, which they did in the beginning of the match. Yeah, well, speaking of concentration, the very first goal in the 36th minute for Sevilla, uh, for Franco Vasquez, Barca were sleeping, totally asleep in the box. I mean, he was, Vasquez was there unmarked but surrounded by four guys. Yeah, and you watch the the highlight. He just kind of just slips in there. And it's I just don't understand how you can't see him. He's a tall guy, <laughs> right? <laughs> I didn't even wearing see him. White shirt. Where'd he come from? Yeah, wearing a white. He didn't just like, you know, he didn't just, he didn't just um, appear. Like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's just like morphing there, right? Like, he, just, he, he, he just went in the middle. And, and, they, and Umtiti was a little bit late, too, on the pass off and – yeah, they were just sleepwalking through that. And those are, you know, we haven't had that happen all year all year long. And so when that happens like that, it's it's very noticeable. And obviously, uh, Vasquez duffed it. You know, he, he duffed that kick. All he had to do was just put it on target, and he did. And so and went past Ter Stegen because it was kind of those, you know, I think Ter Stegen thought it was going to be a harder pat, you know, a harder shot. And the way Vasquez hit it, he, like, duffed it. And so it, it, it just kind of trickled slowed. in. Exactly. It was like a changeup. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> where it goes. He did like this fast action kick and then the ball went. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, so the defense was sleepwalking on that. Play. Yeah, absolutely. And and then the rest of the first half, honestly, for me, was just like a total dud on both sides, really. Yeah, that's what we were, we were talking with my friends. We were kind of talking, watching the match. And all of a sudden it was halftime and we're just like, oh, OK, <laughs> what happened? You know, <laughs> the way Barcelona was playing they weren't able to hold the possession, right? So obviously Sevilla was just, it just seemed like Sevilla was constantly knocking on the door. And with our defense not concentrating as well as it normally is, it definitely looked like we were going to lose last night. Yeah, and I think this actually does go back to some of those small deficiencies in Rakitic's game playing in the Busquets role, right? It's just, again, he's a great player. I'm glad to have him. And, uh, you know, he's good, but he's no Busquets. If Busquets had been on that field, this would have been such a different game. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right? They definitely pressed Rakitic, right? They pressed him a lot. So he wasn't used to that in the previous matches. And so Busquets, maybe they don't press him as much because they know he can get out of it easier. But again, you could just tell the difference with, you know, like you said, when Rakitic played the Busquets role last night, like he did a serviceable job. But, you know, Busquets is able to take more chances and, up, and to link those balls better to the attacking trio up front. So that's what was kind of lacking. But again, 
I just think overall the whole team just look, you know, <laughs> they're just like, we have a game today. And they're just, oh, shit, we have oh, a game today. We gotta, you know? we, that's today? <laughs> yeah, that's today. That's in an hour? Oh, oh man. All right. I guess, I'll get my, <laughs> I guess I'll put my cleats on. All right. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> Let's get this over. All right. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> okay. But in the second half, uh, Sevilla, so they got two two nothing up on us in the first few minutes of the second half. So uh, Muriel scored for Sevilla, the second goal in the 50th minute. Bad defense again. Yeah, it was your boy. It was your boy, my boy. Sergi. It was my boy. Your boy, Sergi, let us down on that play. It's okay. Just, I still love him. It's. I know. <laughs> I know. And so, again, you know, if let's say if Semedo was completely healthy, I don't think that that goal happens because I think with Semedo's speed, he's able to close out uh, faster than Sergio Roberto. But, again, the, for me, the shot was really bad. I don't know if you watched the replay. It, thanks to Titi's deflection, that's why I went into the goal, right. essentially. Because <laughs> the, guy, the guy took a horrible shot. And, again, when I was watching the sports shows today here in Madrid, they were basically talking about, you know, you give Barcelona all these chances. When you don't convert your goals, teams like Barcelona and Real Madrid will come and get you. And that's essentially what happened. You know, in the 55th minute, Navas had a chance on the goal. And I thought it was a goal from the angle I was yeah. watching. But, again, Jesus Navas is not that good. <laughs> thank God. <laughs> It was. He is. He's. He's I good. No, no, no. He's. No, he is no, not. But like, listen to the tone in my voice. He's good. He's. You know. Yeah, he's yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. He. He. I think he's one of the most overrated players of all time. I think he. He's almost like Theo Walcott. He flashes you with the speed, but when it comes to these goals that he needs to convert on, he has a bad reputation on that. And this moment, he had time, and he could have really put it where he wanted to. You're a professional footballer. You can use both your feet and. <laughs> Presumably, skied it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he skied it, you know. And in this match, where you need that third goal, because if they score three, Messi probably doesn't come on till later on, right? Just to stretch him out, essentially. And the game is basically in hand because we're not going to go after three nothing. That's you know, that's ludicrous, right? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Navas, he's much better at uh, getting down the wing, putting in a good cross than finishing for sure. But uh, then in the 58th minute, everything changed. When Messi came on, he came on for for Dembele. Yeah, when Dios came, right? Dios, D ten, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I kind of, I mean, obviously, I think in the plans, he was always going to come in the second half with twenty minutes or something, just to get him some playing time and stretch out those creamy hamstrings. His, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, when he came in, obviously, I mean, he obviously changed the match immediately because all of a sudden the team just. With, fills with confidence, which is just crazy, and everyone just stepped up their game. Yeah, you know, well, because we he happy. just came on like with fire in his eyes and everything. You Correct. Know? Yeah, he, he wet his hair. Yeah, looked at the crowd, slick. and <laughs> there was there was a great um, video when Muriel was celebrating his goal when he was like, he, I guess he was like pointing to the clouds and stuff, and Messi was like right next to him warming up, and he just looking at him, he's just like, who is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> And it's great. It's a great video. They were showing it on the sports show because they were, did like a very like a two minute highlight of Messi's um, entrance into the match. And so yeah, so when he comes in, obviously the defense got tighter. All of a sudden, we had more possession. He's an alien, so he can do these type of things. And you know, I wish um, I wish we had taken Paulinho out if it were me. a little bit sooner, kept rather than Dembele. You know, Demb- yeah, keep Dembele in there. Um, but whatever, you know, with Messi on the field, it just obviously he changed the match. Well, yes, he did. But uh, we didn't actually score until the 88th minute. And 
what happened in between those those two moments between Messi coming on and the goal was Dennis came on for Pauli and Paco also came on and I forget who he replaced but I do think that Dennis helped in actually starting to get the goals. I mean, of course, Messi comes on. He immediately has an impact on the team. The team immediately looks different. And so even then, you can expect that there would be a little bit of time before before the goals come, assuming that goals do come. And in, in this case, they did. But I do think that Denny's coming on for Pauly had two great effects. One, it got Pauly off the field. He, was, he wasn't having a great game. I, Pauly, at this point, I think, is just tired. He needs some yeah, rest. Yeah. You know, yeah, he's he good. Just, he needs some, but he needs yeah, some yeah. rest. Yeah, like we mentioned before, he's played all year long, right? Because of the Chinese calendar uh, with their league and so forth. So, you know, you have a good point there with the Denise thing because I didn't think about that as well. But yeah, you know, Denise also is super fresh right now, right? He hasn't played that much, and you could just tell he was after it, right? Like he was able to hold possession better. He had better connection passes with Coutinho and Alba, and that's where I think Paulinho lacks whether he's fresh or tired, right? I think Paulino just brings different um, abilities for us. That's why I like him as the closer, because when you're tired, he can head the ball. He's a great hustler. My mom would be proud, right? And um, yeah, like you said, Denny Suarez. And what about Denny Suarez's hair? Did you see that quaff? Oh, yeah, it was looking like GQ action. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you have a good point. When he came into the match, you know, gave us another uh, midfielder who could play at feet better. And that's what we need, you know? working up the attack and obviously when that happened we were able to get more scoring chances as you noted here with the Suarez Coutinho cross and we just we just looked more dangerous and we looked like we just had our cup of coffee we looked all of a sudden alert ready to go and and we were were after it yes and so then in the 88th minute we got the first goal from Suarez on the corner yeah and it was it was an awesome goal because the way he shaped his body to hit that that is really hard to do Suarez can do that better than anyone I've seen you know for how big he is and how he can contort his body that way. It's very impressive. But yeah, like I, I have here in my notes, it's a schoolyard goal, right? It's just, there's just so much traffic in the middle of the ball and he was able to get his foot quicker and react quicker and able to score basically into an open net because Rico was out of position and we were able to get that goal. Now, all of a sudden when that happened, people in the bar were like, oh, oh look out, because especially since Sevilla had wasted so many chances and they did not... You know, it was like we said, when Denise and Messi came in, we all of a sudden had more possession, more chances. And so it was just it's crazy how that that momentum just rides. Right. Because when they got the ball, the net Suarez was super animated. He was getting the team up. And I was like, OK, maybe we there's still about five minutes left in the match. Who knows what could happen? Yeah. And sure enough, one minute later, Messi, 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 goal, goal, goal. Yeah. And in, in the sports show today, they said, from the moment that Suarez or the ball hit the back of the net from Suarez, it was 40, 54 seconds. Wow. 54, 54 seconds to Messi hitting that goal. And again, that goal was very similar to the um, the Classico goal last spring where Messi hit that in the Bernabeu with that curve outside. the. But this was a little bit further away, obviously. But it was the same kind of drop. Coutinho, for me, like we're gonna, I'm going to say that he was my man of the match. I think he had the best game all around from minute zero to 90. But um, he left that pass in the middle. Uh, Suarez let it run. You know, normally he would hit that, but he let it run. The two Sevilla players didn't react fast enough to get to the ball. And thank God Denise Suarez let Messi kick that. Because, well, I don't think he had much of a choice. Did no, you I see know, how Messi was barreling down on that? And no, you could I know tell that. Like, I know that, he's least, calling it. Yeah, yeah. But at least Denise recognized right. that, right? Because it's happening so fast. And he, you could see he pulled on the air brakes, right? He like just stopped. 
and Messi just hit that angle and it went through traffic. And I remember everyone at the bar was just flipping out because again, it's just, I mean, what can you say? This guy is freaking alien, man. He just comes in and scores that goal and saves points for us, you know, and we, we continue our unbeaten streak. Like I said, I would have preferred if we would have lost just to have this loss and just start another unbeaten streak. As like a wake up call. Because I think, exactly, as a wake up call. But again, I'm happy to get the points. And again, just, you know, the last 30 minutes were very entertaining, especially if you're a Barca fan. Yeah, and comparatively, compared to the rest of the match, uh, I mean, you know, not counting the goals, I suppose, uh, it, the the amount of entertainment in the first 60 versus the last 30 was just really imbalanced. The last 30 were so exciting and the first 60 were a snore. Exactly. That's a good point. And, you know, I think also because, you know, when Messi comes into the match like that, see, I like, I also like the way Val Green used the subs early because I think a lot of managers use subs way too late, you know, like in the 80th minute. When I used to come in as a sub, I would hate that because you can't really make an impact. It doesn't matter how good you are it's so hard to get into the flow of the match. And I always say if a sub can come in uh, with more than 15 minutes, they can really make a difference. And with Denny's and Messi coming in, you know, with 30 minutes left, you can definitely see the way they, you know, the first five to eight minutes, 10 minutes, they were just trying to feel out what was going on. And then they were able to really put their, their fingerprints into the match. And obviously we got the point. So that's the most important thing. Yeah. And, and my summary of the game after the fact is that it was, it was the kind of game where at the end, nobody was really happy with the result. I mean, Barcelona got the draw, they got the result, so that's good, but they were probably pretty disappointed with their performance overall. And then on the other hand, Sevilla, they had a win in hand. They were so close, but they lost control in the end and they gave up their lead. So, like, kind of neither team probably wound up being particularly happy about it. Yeah, it's a good point, right? I mean, if you're a Barca... Well... Yeah, I would say maybe if you're Barcelona, you, you're happy because, you know, you played like shit at the beginning and you were able to get the points, right? You weren't able to, you didn't lose. So I think in that respect, you're happy. But at the same time, like I said, you know, I would have preferred they had a loss, wake up call, you break the unbeaten streak. You don't have this pressure mounting up of continuing this unbeaten streak. It's, you know, winning these matches is already hard enough. Why add this more pressure of this unbeaten streak? Obviously, it's great because, you know, if we can be unbeaten in La Liga, that would put us in the pantheon of, you know, La Liga teams. But at the same time, I want the triple. Right. And so, you know, that to me is the most important thing. I don't care how we get to it, you know? Like, I'm happy to talk about that unbeaten streak. It excites me. But I totally understand that that's not the thing. The trophies are the thing. Yeah. The triple is the thing. And this yeah. is just gravy. Yeah, exactly. And we don't need that extra pressure, you know? <laughs> right, yeah. Thing. Who needs it? Because Just throw the next yeah. match. Just fuck it. Just let, let Leganes <laughs> have it. <laughs> yeah, let's leg in this out. Yeah. yeah, just put the Barca B team out there. Just roll them yeah. out there. Yeah. So, Give Palencia some time. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So, let's get into the man of the match. So, I, like I said, my man of the match other than Messi was Coutinho. I thought he had a brilliant game. Um, in the beginning of the match, he had these dummy runs where super impressive where he looked like he was going to stop the ball, but he let the ball roll behind him. He did that type of move. He looked really energized. He looked super fresh. He was taking shots from outside the box and he was really trying to will the team. So for me, I thought he had one of the best performances, you know, from minute zero to 90, the whole match. So what do you think of his performance? I totally agree. I think, you know, of the starting 11, he was the best looking one. Uh, I think he still didn't quite have, you know, the cutting edge to, to really deliver on his aspirations, but he was really trying and he had a lot of great moments. 
and created a lot of great moments that, you know, but just like nothing was quite working out in that first half. Something wasn't clicking, but I don't think it was uh, particularly his fault or anything. Uh, so, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I think you made a good call there. Yeah, I just think that, you know, I think he's definitely getting more comfortable now playing with Iniesta. You know, in this match, he was almost, you know, like the wing player of the 4-3-3 at times. And again, he had some really great dribbles inside the box and some plays that, you know, that's why we have him. You know, he just takes these risks that are amazing that normal, you know, an average player would pass out of that situation. But he tries to beat that defender and he was trying to really, you know, go on goal. So for me, I just thought he had a really great game. And, you know, unfortunately, like I said, the rest of the team just looked really tired. So imagine if we had a fresher Iniesta playing alongside with him. Oh my yeah. gosh, that's just, you know, one-two combo. Alba, to me also, um, he didn't have that great of a match. Um, he's been bickering a lot. I don't know if you've noticed that lately. He's been bickering a lot to the refs, a lot about, you know, foul calls and out of bounds and stuff. He just kind of needs to calm down a little bit on that because it's just kind of getting annoying. But anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, just so, focus so on me, your game. <laughs> exactly. And, and the thing is, you know, he just looked tired as well. I mean, he played both matches with Spain and, you know, these... <laughs> Even though it's an international friendly, you're still running the 90 yeah, minutes. Yeah, it's still you know? 90 so, minute game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, my man, actually, I didn't want to pick um, any specific man of the match, um, but obviously, Messi coming on had a huge impact. And I would, kind of like I've already mentioned, I would give honorable mention to Denny Suarez because I think in this match, he was really showing his ability to cut through defenders in tight spaces. I mean, he. I think that was probably some of the best dribbling I've seen him do all season long. And it was really actually uh, very encouraging. Uh, again, it was one of those things where I'm like, I just want the club to work out this whole deal with Man City or something or just be willing to pay the money because I think it's getting to the point where we need him and he he really can start to deliver. And I think that in addition to the major impact Messi had, putting Denny's in for Pauly, made the difference ultimately in terms of scoring. Yeah, I think that's a good point. It's again, who would you rather have on our bench to come into like this match, right? Andres Gomes, <laughs> Paulinho, or Denny Suarez. For me, it's Denny Suarez just because the ability he has to pass and tiki taka with the players. I think he's so much better in that respect than Paulinho and Andres Gomes. That's just not their game. Well, right? to kind and of I pick think- up on a theme that you've been uh articulating over several weeks i would rather have paulinho on the bench and denny starting well yeah that's what i'm saying so if you know you're you're making a lineup for this match right i would have rather started denny suarez because i think his energy of starting the match and being so fresh i think would have helped us in the midfield to have a little bit more possession because for example dembele had some really bad passes in yesta too you know they they were just off their match and so we were constantly losing the ball. And I think if we had Denny's on that right side helping more than Pauly does, I think that would have helped us, you know, have a better performance throughout the whole game as opposed to the last 30 minutes. But I hope they're able to work that out with the Man City thing because, like you said, we do need him because he could definitely uh, give Iniesta a break and we don't lose that much with Denny Suarez uh, replacing him. So, yeah. So I, I, I would love to see him start next week against like NS or maybe even play in the Roma match. Why not? Well, no, just, <laughs> hang on. There are plenty of good reasons why not. <laughs> Put down the Kool-Aid for a second. Put down the Denny Suarez Kool-Aid. But Leganes. Yeah, Leganes is a perfect match. You know, give Iniesta a break because Iniesta is always going to play the Roma match and we're going to go with our strongest 11 again. 
Um, but yeah, give Denny Suarez the leg in his match, no problem. Give it to him. Barza Talk is written by Gabriel Quiroga and myself, Brian Henderson. The show is edited by Brian Henderson, and the music is also by Brian Henderson. Gabriel Quiroga is our promotion and social media manager, which means this is a two-man show. Go ahead and be a part of it. Give us your comments, questions, topics you'd like us to discuss. Visit barzatalk.net and find the contact page or one of our social media channels. And if you want to support the show, click on the support tab at barzatalk.net to do that. Remember to subscribe, rate, review, and spread the word about Barca Talk. Until next week, I'm Brian Henderson. I'm Gabriel Quiroga. And this is Barca Talk. Thanks for listening. Visca Barca. Visca Barca. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.